GalaxyCon Live is the place for you to hear about fandom from the celebrities who bring geek culture to life. Welcome, friends and fans, to another edition of GalaxyCon Live, where we are bringing the convention experience directly to you. And today we are going back to Etheria with the cast of She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. So without further ado, our first guest is an actress, musician, and singer whose body of work includes several albums as part of Ali and AJ, Steven Universe, and the Goldbergs. Today she joins us to discuss the role of anti-hero Katra. Please welcome back AJ Mashalka. Hi there, what's up? Not much, how are you doing? I'm really good, how are you? I am well, my corner of the world, how are you doing in yours? My corner's pretty good. It's pretty sunny and I'm feeling some wonderful energy this morning and I'm excited to talk to fans and discuss She-Ra and Catra and all things Adora and- Oh, so glad to have you back and glad everything is doing well in your corner of the world. Thanks, thanks You're Patty. very welcome. And next, she is an actress whose body work includes Young and Hungry, Level Up, and of course, Elena Avalor. Today though, she joins us to discuss the role of Audra, AKA She-Ra. Please welcome Amy Carrero. Hi. Hey. Hey, AJ. Hi, Amy. Hi. Oh, Amy, how are you doing in your part of the world? I'm great. I'm actually just a few blocks away from AJ, so I probably could have done this at each other's house. <laughs> I actually was thinking about it. I was. Oh, it more fun, honestly. Yeah. I realized we had the live duos together and separate, and so I was like, that might complicate things. But then oh, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but the actual panel in the chat, I was like, that should be together. God, it would have been so we've, fun, a little sleepover. We, we, we've had people share the same screen before, you know? Oh, so so, so I'll tell you, we, we do this next time. Let's, uh, yeah. yeah, let's think Why about not? that. It's awesome. Well, yeah. ladies, welcome to the GalaxyCon virtual stage. So glad to have you here today. I just want to say this. I, I really need to thank both of you for being a part of this. This show, some shows move the needle. And some shows actually adjust the whole gauge itself. And this show moved inclusion from 10 to 11. And it pushed it up to that point. So uh, thank you both. I, I thank you both for your talents. I thank you for your professionalism. And I thank you for the performances you brought to this show. Because it has meant so much to so many fans. So many young fans. And some older fans as well. So this really is something special. This really is something that's going to stand the test of time. And I think really people are going to look at it as a watermark of when inclusion and diversity leveled up across the thank board. You. I mean, we really have Noel to thank yes. for that. This, this whole world, you know, I mean, obviously this is a reboot. So there, there, you know, we had the, the existing, properties but i think it's really cool that it wasn't just a rehashing of the same story it was like any good piece of art it added something it held up a mirror to the world that we're currently living in and i think that that's i mean i i just feel so honored to have been a part of it mm, that's beautifully said i agree i think it's kind of a perfect culmination of respecting the original shira but then also pushing things forward and kind of breaking some walls and barriers and boundaries and just saying, this is the show that we want to put, you know, in the sand and this is what we believe in. And mm -hmm. I just feel like it spoke to so many people and that it will continue to do so, which is so wonderful when something actually has longevity and legs and isn't just like a water cooler moment on television, but actually has yeah. kind of a, a forever story and a future. And hopefully our kids will be watching it one day. And the show means the world to me and and uh, I know Amy as well. And it, it largely in part because of Noelle and her participation and how heavily she gave herself to that show that it is what it is. She absolutely put herself. And as far as showrunners and especially in animation, 
her she she herself has moved her profession in a new direction as well and some would argue long overdue so i am i'm looking forward to her next project i'm a big fan of hers and all of her work and i'm really looking forward to see what she does next as i think we all are yeah Sarah. i know my my wagon is hitched to theirs baby i'm just like ready for their next project and i'm available and i'm putting it out there into the universe uh anything noel does i am i will happily jump on even if it's just to like bring them coffee or something totally yeah we'll, we'll, we'll be there and kids yeah 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 <laughs> he's like he's like we don't we, you're not cast in this and we're like that's fine we'll just yeah. we'll order yeah <clears throat> can we sit in the writer's room yeah that anything exactly clean yeah. the writer's room whatever <laughs> yeah we'll just dust off the tables and yeah 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 the conference uh, room great totally. there you have it let me uh just real quick let me go back to the beginning how did this uh project begin for each of you what was the Asian before I did, I think, right? Were you like the first person cast? I'm not sure if I was the first person cast, but I definitely, yeah, I think you're right. I came on before you. I, you know, I, it, it came about in a very regular audition setting. It was, you know, my team had me record remotely, you know, every time that we really go in as auditioners for VO work, a lot of times mm -hmm. it's just remotely from your phone or however you record first before they actually bring you in. Yeah. So... I first auditioned for Adora, which is hilarious. And I actually have the old recording of my audition. On wow. My, oh my God. On my voice notes. Cause I keep all my auditions. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, have you ever shared that on your social media or anywhere? I have not. Ooh. I, I have not. I made such a wonderful Adora. Like I, I mean, you could really play any character in the show, but I would love to see, I would love to see you in the live action version as Adora. Like you're perfect. <laughs> That is so cute, Amy. That's really sweet. Well, you know, I think energetically, I mean, I love that that role, but something about it, they were like, nope, you're not right for this. And, you know, we'd love for you to come in and, and read for Katra. And there's a girl that we're kind of circling for Adora. We might want you to do some chemistry reads. And so that's kind of when it leveled up to the next step. And I remember reading with another girl and it didn't go further for her, but I remember looking at the animation and being like, oh my gosh, I want to play this character so bad. Yeah. And it was kind of the first drawings. And next thing I know, I had the role. I mean, it's such a weird thing. It's, it's, it's almost hard to even remember and recall, but I remember it being like a very straightforward, like, okay, you did your, your tape and you sent it in. And now we want to bring you in because we think yep. that there's something here. And, and then I booked it. It was crazy. It was only my second, I mean, it's only the second thing I've done. That's like an animated series. I haven't done much. Amazing. That was me too. This was my second thing and and it was you know I think I came on pretty late I think that they had maybe tried someone else and it hadn't worked out and so I sent in an audition no actually I think they were so because by the time I went in for my first record you guys had already done something I think or maybe like there was already some voices that were already oh yeah maybe they had already brought us in as like a not pilot presentation but we had already kind of recorded yeah. some stuff to get a feel for how it would fit with other people yeah and so when i came in um there were already animatics and stuff and so they brought me in for an audition and then i think i went in one more time for the audition and it was super straightforward unlike elena of avalor which i think took like three months to book this was just like you know Come on over. And it's, that's rare, you know, because as an actor, so much of your job is to just wait. You know, you put, you put your audition on tape, you send it out into the ether, and then maybe you hear back, maybe you don't. So it's always really nice when anybody thinks they want to hire you. But yeah, so that was my, 
my journey into this too was very straightforward and it's kind of nice. It's like going on a date and before the date's over, you already got a second date instead of being like, hope they don't uh, catfish me. Ah! <laughs> it's funny. That's like so yeah. somebody, so many properties like this, the lead is either the dead first or dead last to be cast. Oh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's uh, well, yeah, well, you start with somebody, but yeah. 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 It happens. I mean, you know, yeah. also I think, with this story in particular, I don't know if I were casting it, like, let's go back to 2015 or whenever we booked this. I think I would want to probably maybe start the catcher role is difficult. I mean, it's not as straightforward. I'm not saying that Adora is like a simple character by any means, but, but it, it's almost like that you really have to hit Catra right. You really have to hit that perfectly pitch perfect. And so I think it, it probably made sense that you that you went first, AJ, because they needed to find yeah, someone. Yeah, maybe. It's interesting because if I look back, I'm like, I didn't really know what I was doing, I don't think. Like, like, okay. like I kind of knew what the character should be like, but it's amazing that you can book something without establishing what it truly is yet. But if they see that there's an inkling there of like, this is right, they yeah. know they can cast the person and work on it. And so then I right. felt like after I booked it, I became yeah. Kathy. But booking it I don't feel like I was capture at all I feel like I was just kind of winging it and but they saw something there that triggered them and, to go and that's that's always where good casting comes into play we're you know, yeah. uh, casting directors and then and, and final says that's if they see something in the performers that the performer themselves doesn't see sometimes and yeah so, that's the magic magic yeah. of tv yep streaming <laughs> in this case absolutely ah well ladies thank you for indulging my capricious curiosity we are good to go into audience questions so let's roll our first one and this comes from john who wants to know what are both of your favorite she-ra episodes i'll tell you the, the my favorite one to watch and then my favorite one to do my favorite one to watch is the prom episode i i sound like a broken record but it really is my favorite episode it's just so nice to see you know these characters out of their comfort zone in one way or another in a social situation that everybody can identify with you know it's it's when you're watching a fantasy show like this is um you know sometimes you're dealing with like magical things happening but everybody knows what it's like to show up to a school dance you know and be really nervous and not fit in so i i loved playing that i loved playing uh, adora as kind of a not super confident person for once in her life and then my favorite episode to do would probably be the finale just because it felt so important and we'd been waiting for so long and in this business it's hard with the exception of animation because you have to know so far in advance how a story is going to wrap up or you know like if the show is not going to go on anymore you'll know in advance because you have to wrap up the story unlike some shows live action shows that i've been on which is we film the you know season finale and we think we're coming back in the fall and then you don't and then you're kind of left in limbo mm -hmm. this was really nice because it felt we got to wrap up the story in a nice way yeah, I was actually just now doing like a, a a quick deep dive on all the episodes because I was like, I believe we recorded, it says 57. Oh my I actually God. think we did more. And it's so hard to choose my favorite. And I was just looking at, no, we did 52. I was just looking at some of the titles and I was like, oh my gosh, now that the titles are standing out, I'm like, I remember what that episode was. Oh, I remember what that episode was. Oh, really? Okay. Because I have amnesia too. I have no, I don't remember a lot. Yeah, it's crazy how much I've kind of forgotten because the from the start to finish to airing to now, yeah. it's been a lot of time. But I will say one episode that stands out for me is is Save the Cat, which I know is one of Noelle's favorite episode. I think she had been working on that story specifically for a long time, even before it was connected to the Shira universe. 
she had been working on the writing of that. Oh, wow. Really? That's the concept. So yeah. Yeah, which is crazy. I don't know what it was being used for, but it was something she had been writing and working on for a long time. And then she integrated into the show. But I think that that episode, I hope that's accurate. That episode for me. I I remember, I remember Noel saying that in a previous interview that it was like. Yeah. That it had been like percolating already. And then she used it in the show. I mean, I I think that episode is really poignant because of obviously, you know, Glimmer and Bo and Adora coming to rescue me. And I think that that's, it's a pinnacle moment in the final season that I think is really intense and, and such a good little kind of timestamp in that, in that series. I just think that's an important episode. And then to record, I would say, I mean, I would use the exact same answers as Amy, really. I I think the finale is one of the hardest things I've done as an actor in terms of what we had to do. You know, again, I haven't done a lot of voice work, but what we had to do as actors was quite challenging in part one and part two. And I think that it really pushed us. And there are some scenes in there that I'm really, really proud of. And if I were to say like, okay, what would I use on like a reel? I would say, well, I think probably the work in the finale is probably some of the strongest. Yeah. Work. That's a, that's a, yeah. What would I use on the reel? That's a good um, barometer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There you have it. Chan, great question to start us off with. Thank you for that. And what do we have next? From Emilio, what is the most difficult or fun thing about working within animation from, from your perspective? Well, I think maybe the hardest thing in my for, for me is to get rid of any kind of self-doubt. It, you really can't go into it with any trepidation. You really can't hold back because you, you can't be afraid to look stupid. And maybe that's true of any art form you know if AJ if you go up on stage and you're about to sing your you know one of your hit songs and you do it with like this little voice or people the audience senses that if you're not comfortable they sense that if you're not a hundred percent behind what you're doing then everyone's uncomfortable it's like watching I'm like full of bad metaphors today but it's like it's like going to like an open mic night and having like someone really bomb you know and you're just like you know, like, like a comedian or something. You're just like, I'm not comfortable. And, and that was a challenge for me because I hadn't done a lot of voiceover. So I didn't have the confidence. I had no reason to have any confidence because I'd never done it before. So I remember my first recording, you know, we started at the top, we went in order and it was like, I just remember looking down in the script. It's like Adora wakes up and she like goes through her morning and she like spars with herself and like says some like something to herself in the mirror. And I was like, oh my God, I feel so stupid, like making kicking sounds. But then eventually you just have to, you know, get over yourself. I agree. It's, it's, it's really easy to be, you know, in live action, it's easier to be authentic than it is in animation because in animation, you can kind of hide behind the mic and the booth and you're kind of, you're in a dark space and you're not being filmed. So it's easy to kind of put on a show, which I'm not saying is not authentic, but sometimes it can become overacted. It can become fun because you're like, well, I'm not being seen. So I can kind of do whatever. And you kind of have to say, you have to kind of play it like you're in a live action setting. I think I agree with Amy that you can kind of feel in the, in the beginning, I would feel a little dumb. Like, you know, I would feel if I was doing a fight scene and I had to do a bunch of fight efforts or I had to fall from a cliff or I or had- your cat sounds. Or my cat sounds. Like I was so insecure about cat sounds. I would be too. It's it's hard. Like as an adult person being like- is, Yeah, you know, it's really hard. And like, yeah. I had to work on my hissing and my, like just little things that, you know, I guess maybe you'd be more familiar with if you were a cat owner. I actually never had a cat and didn't grow up with cats, but I love them. So- 
I feel like connected to them, but I don't feel like I know them. So yeah. it was, you know, Amy was like, cool, I'm going to teach you what it's like to be around a cat. I mean, I mean, Noel, and, and it helped. And that I just had to get over it. You just have to kind of get over it and say, okay, no ego attached. I don't care what I look like. I'm going to just dive in. I, I you know, I've never yeah. played a cat before, but here it goes. Here it goes. Once you get your sea legs within the booth though, then it can be very emancipating because then you can really be like, oh, wow, you could, there's a lot of ways you can explore stuff. It's like, oh, wow, to get that voice, I got to do something I would never do on camera for, for that sure. character. But then okay. you start to experiment and that's that's when that's when really starts to get the, the pleasures. And so. we were lucky too that we got to do a lot of the recordings together, which is really, and that yeah. really helped, I think, with, with the authenticity and the feeling of, not going over the top and not trying to make up for the fact that you know you aren't on camera and that was helpful because if you look into another actor's eyes and if you're really listening it's kind of impossible to to you know do something that comes off as fake or you know right. too bothered, you know. absolutely very go, amelia great question thank you for that and what is next here's one from natasha what's something you think people can take or learn from your characters and relate to. Wow, that's good. I think for me, it's it's all about growth and change and believing that someone can become a better person. You know, I think Catra goes through such an intense arc throughout the show. And to me, it just shows that we're all human. We all have something to work on. And Catra's is just a little more clear as to what that is. She <laughs> doesn't know how to approach that change, but she finds right. out. So to me, the biggest thing I hope like people take away from that character or maybe something they can relate to is that we're all just human and we're all just going through our own shit. And I think Katra is the perfect example of a flawed human who maybe has been through some trauma in her life that has now kind of affected the way she's, you know, built her future out and it hurts people along the way. And there's something to be said about really taking a mirror to yourself and going, what do I need to really work on in order to be a better present person with other people? And I think that's something that I, I don't know. That's just something that I'm that 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 I kind of can take away from with that character. Yeah, ab absolutely. And I love that. You know, growing up watching some of my favorite stories were stories of redemption. You know, I loved Xena, Warrior Princess. You know, she didn't start off being a hero. She was sort of an anti-hero, and then you know she's doing her best, and she falls, she hurts people, and then in the end, I think it's a very hard-won victory for like the her soul you know what i mean and i think it's yeah. the same for katra um she works so hard sometimes against you know her her instinct to to better herself and that's really difficult to do for adora i think it's so much of her storyline was thinking that she had to go it alone mm -hmm. and first off you know she was fighting for the wrong team so her first sort of humbling moment i would say is realizing oh my gosh i've been indoctrinated my entire life I thought I was fighting for good, but actually I wasn't. I was on the wrong team. So now I have to reevaluate all of my values and all of my um, belief systems and leave the person that has been most important to me, Katra, behind in order to find my true purpose. And once she finds that purpose, then it becomes like, well, I've got to go it alone. You know, I'm this tragic hero. This is my destiny. I am destined to have to sacrifice myself and everything that I am in order to save this, you know, the people I love. And therefore I, you know, I have to push away the people I love. So she goes through that as well. And I think maybe the overall lesson is that it, 
not only should you not go it alone, it's actually easier and better for the whole community if you do it with some help. And I think that, that maybe that's her big lesson that she's learned and also to open herself up to the love of her life, which is maybe the journey they're both on concurrently. I think our audience would agree with that as well. So there yeah. we go. <laughs> Thank you, Natasha. Great question. And what do we have next? From Ruby. Ah, what was one of the funniest blooper moments from the recording booth? Hmm. That's a good um, one. That's really good. Tracy. You know, there's so many blooper moments. It's like daily. You you know, you go in and you, you try your best, but you're going to mess up. And... The cool thing about this show was that it was very loose. It felt loose. There, there was very little pressure to be perfect. In fact, the stuff that they kept in the final uh, cuts were usually things that maybe we found along the way that weren't necessarily in the script at first. And they were always so cool about letting that, letting us find. But I know that at some point they had put to, edited together a reel of just me cursing because I have a, you know, I, I think cursing is good for the soul. I really do. I think it lets out a lot of the anger and, and aggression that maybe would just stay percolating inside my body, which is no good for anybody. So I'm a big time cursor. And so if I mess up just casually, maybe I'll just curse. And so I know at the end, I never heard it, but Noelle said that they had, you know, strung together a series, a library of like curses, which is probably, I haven't heard it, but it's probably my favorite blooper, just for the potty mouth situation that's amazing i think for me it would be it would be like bloopers of like cat sounds like me trying oh, yeah. to oh, yeah. let a cat and and for me it, it's not the hissing it's more the meowing you know it's the meow. like you want to make it sound legit without it being ridiculous like it's such yeah. a line it's it's such a it is such a ridiculous noise and it's very hard to emulate cat yeah. sounds as a human being and you so. also want to say like sometimes in the script it'll be like you know catcher takes a hit and it's like okay, I know what it's like as for a human being to take a hit, but like, how do I do it so that it also sounds like a cat? Right, that's, right. that's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. It's very yeah. complicated. So I think the blooper reels for me, I can't think of one like moment, but I think for me, it would be cat sounds. Like if there was just a cat library, it would probably be hilarious. Yeah. Fair I'm enough. Sure. <laughs> probably. Ruby, thank you. Great question. And what's next? Do you have any keepsakes from the show? I have a signed script of the finale that is really important to me and I absolutely love it. I mean, that would be my biggest keepsake. Um, I, you know, along the way, maybe gathered a couple little merch items or, you know, if something was sold at a hot topic or something special <laughs> that I can, you know what I mean? Something special that I can just kind of hang on to for future. I think the dolls are so cool. You know, that's yeah. something that's really, those are really important to me. Excuse me. I also think that when the show premiered, there was a little Netflix DreamWorks party that we had where we all wore these little like yellow yeah, crowns yeah, and uh, the little Adora crown, She-Ra crown. And that's something that I still have. And that really matters to me. Yeah, I have the script. I think that we, yeah, that might've been on the same day when we were like, oh my gosh, put everybody sign our script. So I have, the, I have the script, I have the dolls. And I even, I took the first page of the script that was signed and I framed it because I'm cheese ball. So I have that in my office, not where I'm sitting, but I have uh, an Elena of Avalor one. I have a Shira one. I have one from Young and Hungry. Cause I think it's important to remember, you know, when I'm, I don't know, 
have grandchildren or something to have like the original. So one day it's going to, it's going to, it's going to be worth something in my mind. Yeah. It's worth something now, but in my mind, I'm like, that's going to be really one day. That's going to be a 20 year old script, you know, and that would be, totally. that would be important to remember. Oh, it's so cool. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Very nice. Nana. Thank you. Great question. And what's next from Alexa. Do you have a favorite character in the show beside from the one you voice? I mean, I, I think I always say this. I Scorpia to me is like the best character on the show. There's something about Lauren too and what she brings to that character. She's so comedically in tune and funny and her timing is impeccable. And, you know, she started the whole Catra, 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 Catra mm -hmm. thing. And it just, it's really stuck with me. It's one of my favorite comedic moments in the show. And, you know, her character is just so desperate for love and attention as we all are. And Catra just can never give it to her. And it's that perfect dynamic of like someone that is so desperate for friendship and the other one's like, cool, you barely exist to me, but you exist when I need you. Yeah. And it's just so heartbreaking, but their dynamic's really sweet. I mean, I think, I just think the Scorpio character is brilliant. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think there's something so genuine and I love characters like that. They have no pretense and no, you know, they're not trying to look cool. I don't even know that they would know what cool was. And I just love that. I love seeing characters like that. And it's nice to have, you know, Katra who who spends so much of her time feeling discarded and unwanted. It's nice for her to have someone who is so committed and devoted to her, you know, in the series to maybe start healing that for, you know, that fe the feelings of abandonment. Alexa, thank you. That was a wonderful question. And what's next? Oh, perfect. Can I almost leave this? Oh, hey. <laughs> Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Look at that. There's, there's one that I remember specifically, and I don't remember what I was talking about, but it might have been, you know, I I was like having to like, or Adora was having to give a, a what's it called? A pep, pep talk to somebody. And, and I just, they were working up the language and I'm just like, believe in yourself. God damn it. Didn't make the cut. But... <laughs> That's the feeling behind, you know, so much of the frustration. Oh, I love that she tweeted that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now I literally want that. Like, I just want to hear the whole bank of swearing. Me too. And the cat. Mm. And the cat stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just went down a rabbit hole, a Noel rabbit hole. All right. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get that hashtag going. Release the tapes. Release the She-Ra blooper tapes. Ah, <laughs> uh, here's one from Kit. If there was to ever be more She-Ra, what are some of the things you'd like to see? Hmm. Wow. I guess I'd like to see, well, I'd like to see what their life is like as a couple. And, you know, as people get older, their, their problems are different you know I want to know what's going on on Etheria what's the update you know just because we have stopped tuning in to the story doesn't mean that the story doesn't continue so I wonder what the new adventures are yeah same I I, I think obviously the most important thing for me would be the relationship between Catra and Adora and where that goes there are so many sweet like memes and yeah drawings and things that fans have posted with how they see the next chapter of, you know, She-Ra and, and what that looks like to them if there was a season six or a movie or whatever. But but I would also like to know what Gl Glimmer and Bo are up to. You know, there's just so many, so many important characters that I care about in that show where I'm like, where are they now? You know, I, I think the one thing I would say is, yeah, where where is Catra and Adora's relationship gone and what are they dealing with currently? Yeah, absolutely. 
Thank you, Kit. That was a very good one. And let's roll another one. From Aubrey, did TV shows you watched growing up influence your career in animation? You know, I never thought I would be in animation, not because I didn't, I mean, I, wa I, I grew up on cartoons, who didn't, but I just never thought it was going to be a part of my journey. I think also when you get to LA, I, AJ, I know that you've been acting since you were a kid, so maybe this wasn't your experience, but I remember when I moved to LA and started taking classes, everybody was like, and don't even try to get into voiceover. That's a losing game. There's like two people that do all the voices and that's it. And so I just never thought that that was going to be part of my journey. Um, but, but then once you, once you get into it, then you start pulling from the archives of your memories when you're younger and the shows that I really enjoyed and, but things are different, you know, now the, I think the current trend of animation and voiceover is a little more naturalistic, a little more grounded. When I was growing up, you had you know, it was true. It was like five people and they did all the voices and they were so talented and they could do all the voices. And so very sort of character -y sounds was what I grew up listening to. And, and so when I started auditioning for voiceovers and it took me five years to book my first job. So I wasn't doing, I was doing something wrong. I think I would try to do a lot of really character -y sounding things. That's what I grew up listening to. And that just wasn't what people wanted. So finally, when I dropped that and I was like, okay, let me just play this like it's a normal audition. Then mm -hmm. I um, got the job. So that's a great, that's a great point. I, I did not mean to enter this space either, to be honest. I was always told that it was a, a sacred space that is reserved for a few people and that's it. So yeah. I had the same experience as Amy. Um, and it took a long time to crack the code and break that first job. And when it happened, it it was a natural voice. It's like, Amy's right. Like there are people that are character voices and there are people that are live action actors who get cast in animated shows and the voice work is a little more natural and, and you're not maybe putting on a specific sound. You know, you're not playing Tommy from Rugrats. You know, right, right. growing up with those shows, you know, I think I was incredibly inspired as a singer and a vocalist by those kind of shows because I, that's how I gained like my, my confidence to listen and my ear mm -hmm. and that has helped me become a better singer. So I think it's shows like Rugrats and Sailor Moon and the Magic School Bus and so many things that I can like hang my hat on nostalgia, but I, but I won't, I wouldn't necessarily be able to say it helped me grow as a voice actor. It's just that being a young kid growing up with entertainment that was that strong probably helped me love what I do even more. And now I feel like I'm a part of that world and it's kind of kind of neat to be part of that universe. Oh yeah. There you and it's also a testament too to how much animation entertainment has diversified in and of itself in terms of, okay, I mean, I'm part of the Saturday, early Saturday morning generation where it was just for little, little kids and standards of practices and very dumbed down for lack of a better term. We've mm -hmm. had those, we've had those four or five, uh, four out of those five actors you were talking about too, about how, they had lofty dreams. Oh, at the beginning of that, uh, Pirates of Darkwater is supposed to be a real big epic, and then it got all shot down. Right now, we're 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 out of the Saturday morning show. We're actually able to tell stories for tweeners that really are yeah. meant for tweeners and really are not for kids, and start to broach levels of maturity and and those subject areas. And we're living in a great time for animation because we still yeah. have the we still have the cutesy stuff. We still have the stuff for little kids. But we got works like like what yeah. what you, you've worked on. So it's, so, it's, yeah, a, so true. it's a good time. And as always, it's not about being a voice actor. It's about being an actor. That's so true. Uh, I, I, it's the same. What's that? 
there's one type. There's really one yeah. type of actor that that then can service every medium. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Thank you, Aubrey. Wonderful question. Hey, what do we have next? From Finn, how has Shira impacted your life, especially since it is concluded? I won't say ends because you never know. <laughs> yeah, nothing ever ends, especially, I don't know, this universe to me is not over, but it's impacted my life greatly in terms of the way I've been able to communicate with fans online, fans that I didn't know you know, existed or maybe didn't know my music or didn't know my live action career who are now fans of Catra or Adora have now kind of, you know, slid into my life via Instagram or Twitter and ignited this excitement in, 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 I don't know, my, my work and myself and knowing that people care about this role so much. It's, it's incredible. And a lot of people have now discovered my music because of Adora and Catra mm -hmm. and the She-Ra universe. So it is, it's really neat. It, it has connected me with my fans on a really cool level. And it's, it's been able, it's, it's the, the coolest part is that I'm able to see how talented other people are when they reference the show, when they, when they draw, when they dress up, mm -hmm. the cosplay, the energy surrounding this show and the talent that's come out of the fandom is really neat for me to see because you don't usually get that view as the actor. You're just kind of like, cool, the show down to the universe. And I think people dig yeah. it. This has been like a incoming constant stream of like, Hey, this is the outfit I just came up with. And this is the drawing and this is the meme. And, and it's amazing. There's so much talent out there. It's incredible. Yeah, for sure. I think also, AJ, I don't know if you feel, or maybe this piggybacking off of what you said, but like, you know, sometimes you, you do a, a job and it's just a job and you don't really know until you have the experience what it's going to be, if it's going to be just a job or it's going to be something that really impacts your life. And I think with this show, it's definitely been something that impacts my life. And I think about it all the time. And it's not, it's not one of the things that I you know, sometimes you forget when you're like, oh, I saw you in such and such. And I'm like, oh my God, I forgot I did that. This is something that I think I will remember forever only because it really opened my eyes to what you hope art can do, you know, when you're a little kid and you know how art impacts you. And then when you start making a living as an artist, sometimes you lose that thread a little bit and you lose yeah. what it can mean to people. And every now and then you're reminded that actually it can make a big difference. And so that, that feels like a big honor to me. Mm, yeah. I agree. yeah, absolutely. Finn, great question. Thank you. And what's next? Here's one from Jose. What was one of your most memorable fan interactions? Wow, that's really hard. There's this one that I just won't ever forget. We were, I think we were in New York Comic Con and or maybe it was regular Comic-Con. Here's the thing. I, I'd never been to any Comic-Con. And so I I knew that there were, or I actually had, but I went on a Sunday and it was for a live action show. So I didn't get the whole experience. This was the first time I'd been to a real Comic-Con. And the thing, the difference between, you know, like going to a smaller convention is that, and Comic-Con is like, the level of cosplay is professional at yeah the Comic-Cons. And I remember there was this Catra that showed up and I was, you know, I'd been expecting people like, can I take a picture with you? Whatever. I was like, can I take a picture with you? Like I was the fan of, of this cosplayer because it was yeah. just so well done. Like even the eyes, like the heterochromia or whatever was like, they, they, they had oh. the right. Color. It was just amazing. And I just remember yeah. like 
having a fangirl moment over a show that I'm in. And so that was probably the first time. And that was one of our first things, I think, one of our first like promotional things we did for the show. So that was the first time I was like, oh, wait, like this is actually going to be, this is going to mean a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, I think the fan interactions have been, I mean, there's been many of them and they're all, they're all memorable in the sense that every fan has a story and every fan has a connection to the show that's specific to them. And when they share it with you, it means a lot because it means that our show is not only, it's not just serving us, it's serving other people. And that's, that's what art is all about. But I remember a young girl coming up to me at a con and just kind of claiming her sexuality and being like, I have figured out exactly who I am and who I love because of this show. And that to me was like, wow, what a beautiful discovery and what an authentic way to figure that out and then to kind of boldly state it and know that like, this is my future now because of this show, I know what I'm into and I know what I want and I know what I love. And that, that gets me. That's like huge. Yeah. The personal stories are really important for sure. And, and, and so much of it transcends you, you know, this is an experience that they're having that you can't even begin to imagine what it means to them. And you're just sort of there as like a, a conduit for the, you know, like you're, you're just so happy that you were able to inspire and your, your contribution. And for me, it just feels like, well, I was just lucky enough to be cast in this. There's nothing else I did. I showed up one day and I did this audition and here I am. So it could have been anybody. So it feels like a big honor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Jose, great question. Thank you. I think we have time for one more. So let's see if we can go out on a really fun one. And this is going to come from Melanie. Uh-huh. Who do you think is the better a cook? <laughs> Adora or Catra? Uh, I mean, Adora, for sure. There, there's oh. no way Catra knows how to cook. First of all, I don't know how to cook. So I'm just going to play that into Catra's world. Second of all, she's a cat. So her food's probably all pretty basic canned cat food. Right. Um, she's on a raw food diet, I feel like, Katra. She's on a fully raw raw diet. Um, it's probably raw, fish. raw fish. I was just going to say, she probably just takes the whole fish head down. I don't see her really cooking anything or being super detailed in the kitchen. I bet she's a very run and gun, open the sardine can and throw it yeah. back. Just like a Popeye version. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if Adora's like, I mean, Adora's better than Katra, but I don't think she's also in the kitchen often. And and I think that if she was, it would be a very stressful experience for everybody involved because she would want to make sure that she's like hitting every single direction per- per- perfectly executing. You know, if she's dicing an onion, it's got to be the best diced onion. So if she, even if she was making a salad, it would probably make like it would t- probably take like two hours. So I think they're both like equally as hopeless in the kitchen. They probably Great. do a lot of takeout. That's a great point. A lot of takeout. Lots of takeout. Etheria, you have Uber Eats waiting for you. Great question. Thank you. Ladies, this has been an absolute delight. Any final words before we take our leave? Thanks, Patty, for having us. Yeah, this was so wonderful, and you're such a fun moderator. I just want to thank everyone for coming out, you know, to this virtual experience. And what a cool way to kind of celebrate the show. And, you know, we just had a big Entertainment Weekly article come out. Yeah, dating um, how important this series has been and how our relationship on screen was kind of one of the most standout memorable moments in romantic TV history, which is really huge for us. So we see, we see every article, every write-up, every yeah. note, and and that we appreciate it. And I just thank you for such a beautiful time. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Ladies, it's been my absolute pleasure to serve you once again. Thank you for joining us here on the GalaxyCon virtual stage. Thank you to our audience for joining us. And thank you for all those great questions. Hope to see everybody again soon. Until then, bye-bye, take care. And remember, smiles are free, so spend them often. Uh Thank you.